Welcome back to the Policy Biz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I hope you're having a nice holiday season. You're staying healthy and staying safe. On this week's episode of the podcast, I am very happy to have Tom Mock join me. Tom works at our studio and is obviously very active in the R community. He runs the Tidy Tuesday experiment or program or initiative, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, and you should check that out. We're going to talk about it in this week's episode of the show. Tom has also developed the GT package in R, the Grammar of Tables, which if you know anything about my work, anything about my writing, you know I'm more and more interested in how we design really good tables and having a package, a library in R that enables us to do so in better and easier ways is I think a huge step, a huge advantage for those of us who are working with data and trying to communicate data. So we talk about all the sorts of different things that Tom does at our studio. We talk all about these different programs and initiatives. And of course we talk in depth about grammar of tables. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Tom Mock and here is that discussion. Hey, Tom, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are things? Uh, good morning. It's good to be here. Things are great. Just got back from a little uh, break at our studio. We had the weekend off and a couple extra days for Labor Day. Nice, nice. And uh, doing anything uh, super exciting, super fun? I, I know you're not like going into indoor stadiums and rock concerts and whatever, but... Uh... Yeah, a few days off was nice. We we moved recently, so getting settled into our new home and enjoying the nice. outdoors has been a big chunk of our time. Lovely, lovely. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think um, we did a conversation mm -hmm. a little over a year ago, I think, at sort of the beginning of the pandemic, where we talked about a lot of the work that you're doing in our studio. You did a talk uh, for some folks over at Urban about the tables work that yep. you've been doing. So, um, so it's been great. And I'm, I'm excited to share all the work that you've been doing with folks who are listening. So I want to start talking about your work at our studio. I know you yep. recently got a like big promotion. You're, you're a big, big guy now. <laughs> and then I want to talk about, I guess, three main things. So your work at our studio, uh, you're tight managing, organizing, facilitating tidy Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, the grammar of tables stuff, which as far as I know, is like the only place Beautiful. someone's actually like thinking about doing tables better, which is kind of amazing if you think about it. So, um, <laughs> so that sort of sets everybody up. Why don't we start about our studio? So how long have you been there? What's your trajectory yep. been like? What have you been working on? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined our studio at the middle of 2018, straight out of PhD school, um, started on their customer success team which was mainly like working with existing clients and helping them use our software and open source uh, data science tooling. Um, as you, you kind of mentioned and alluded to, I just got a promotion to be customer enablement lead. So still kind of working the same space, um, but just thinking at a bigger scale rather than working mm -hmm. with individual customers, the entire customer base. Um, so thinking about documentation, some of the training we do, some of the educational initiatives, um, just overall, like what is the user experience and kind of how are they learning how to use our software and external software as well? Right, right. And just for folks who who don't know, how big is our studio? Like how many how many people do you have there? Yeah, I think we're at like 180 people now. So yeah. um, you know, some people call it a startup. Some people call it a you know a tenured company. Been around for a little over 10 years at this point. Um, yeah. so been, been around for quite a while. So, uh, a good company that I've enjoyed working right. with for three years. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's start with tidy Tuesday. Yeah. You know, these community projects are really valuable. I think to the, to lots of different people for lots of different reasons. 
Um, so maybe we could start by having you talk a little bit about the background of it. And then yep. maybe you're like, I was going to say day to day, but it's really like week to week. Like, how do you manage it? How do you think about organizing the whole thing? Totally. Yeah. So Tidy Tuesday was kind of born out of uh, something I was doing and something I was working with in grad school. So I joined what was called the R for Data Science online learning community um, midway through, I think, 2017. And, you know, was, I was trying to learn R. I was trying to bump up my skills in R as a statistical programming language and as a data science uh, skill set. Um, so learning with the community and, and part of that was, you know, we wanted to connect mentors with learners. How do you do that in a scaled fashion? Otherwise, you have 100 learners with one mentor and it just it doesn't work. Right. Um, so the idea was like, OK, well, we can do like a weekly project. There's um, other things doing that. There's things like Makeover Monday. That's great. There's Workout Wednesday. There's other kind of storytelling with data community. People were already doing a similar idea. But a lot of those were kind of emphasized around um, specific software suites. Right. Um, so there, there wasn't really one that was like, oh, here's how to like learn with R uh, or learn with open source data science. So we are like, okay, we can do a similar thing, new data, make sure that there's an article associated with it so you get the context and uh, that you're able to learn and see everyone's code. So launched it um, in April of 2018 um, and kind of gangbusters since then, it's been... I don't even know how many thousands of people, but you know, around 120 or so people contribute every week and multiply that out by three and a half years. And that's what, you, what you're going to get out. Yeah. To. Um, so yeah, I mean, th that was kind of the, the beginning um, as right. far as like organizing it and growing. A lot of it was kind of natural in terms of like my role has really been um, aggregating the data, cleaning it up, providing the script to bring it in. And then just saying, you know, have at it. It's pretty open-ended intentionally. And what yeah. the community has done is, is built on top of it to extend it further, like aggregating you know, the visualizations people have created, aggregating the code, doing their own screencast, doing live video, podcasts. There's all sorts of things that have built out of it that aren't my work, just the community building on top of it. Right. So when you think about this idea of teaching people R at scale... Yeah. Like, do you think this is the way to do it? Is is it community? I mean, I, I will say, and I've written about this in the past, like, yeah. uh, I have an urban colleague who's really, you know, great at R. And I said, Aaron, like, can you sit down with me for two days and just like teach? Because, yeah. because I had tried some of those like massive online courses, like Andrew Tran yeah. at the Post had done one. It was great. But like three days in, I'm like, I don't, I don't have time for this. So um, like, what's your, what's your take on that? No, I mean, my uh, persona that I'm teaching to primarily is a business professional, someone working, someone not in an academic setting. Right. Um, so th that's a different persona than, say, a college student, a high school student, or even a grad student. You don't have the time to dedicate, oh, yeah, for nine to five, I'm learning, or right. from nine to noon, I'm learning, and, and 12 to five, I'm doing my lab work. It's just a, it's just a different persona. So yeah. for me, like I, I think that focusing on just-in-time learning, better documentation, project-based learning is really effective for that you know, user population because it's solving the problem they want to solve. They're not mm -hmm. necessarily like you think of like this random adult trying to learn a project. They're not saying like, oh, okay, I'm ready to learn all of data science using R. They're like, I have an Excel file that's too big to open with Excel. 
and I need to graph it or something like that. Or yeah. I've got you know a statistical suite I need to run, and I don't know how to run it with SPSS or Systat or whatever. So I need right. to use R that has everything built in. Um, so aiming at that, it's like having something like Tidy Tuesday, where specifically for graphing or exploratory data analysis, here is a moment in time with a data set that might be interesting to you. And there's a hundred examples of how people attack the problem. Mm -hmm. That's that's the core idea. It's a project, it's scoped, and it has hopefully useful data. And over time, you know, there's different data sets that people might contribute to. So some people have biology, some people have sports, some people have political data. Everyone's not going to be interested every week, but over time you have this, you know, giant mass of data with different scripts and then analyzing it. So I think that's right. been really effective for, for people to kind of jump in and jump out when they need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, do you, when you think about providing these data sets, are you thinking about, yeah, how can I pick as broad a spectrum from week to week that I can so that, yeah, if I'm not interested in sports, and so it's sort of a weird question, I guess. So like, yeah. Do you think people like when they're trying to learn this, they're like, I'm not interested in sports. So if like, if it's tidy Tuesday, week one in September and it's on sports, I'm just not going to do it. Even though like, it's really not the point, right? It's like the content right. is kind of not the point. Like how do you, yeah. Right. So how do you think about like mixing, matching all of yeah. that? Yeah. I think for me, um, honestly, there's a lot of people and what I ask the community to do a lot is submit issues on the tidy Tuesday repo for here's a data set I want to see. So a lot of the time while I'm doing the legwork of, you know, cleaning it up, aggregating it and throwing it into the repository, um, someone else has really chosen the data. So I, I do right. kind of pull in like, here's, you know, something someone else has suggested. As far as what you're saying, though, like, yeah, there, there's plenty of times where I see people comment like, I know nothing about, we'll use sports, for example. I know nothing yeah. about the NFL, but, you know, explored the data, found this cool thing. And here's the technique I learned. Like right. you said, the, the data is really secondary to it. For some people, though, they need that motivation to even engage. Like they're like, I'm right. not learning R for R. I'm not learning open source data science for open source data science. I'm, I'm interested in this and I want to learn more about how to do that. Right, right. So now it is interesting that you're approaching it. I mean, it makes sense. You're approaching it from like the data viz perspective. So like, you know, Hadley Wickham's book, which is like, I'm looking at it, it's like sits on my desk. <laughs> um you know, Hadley and Garrett's book starts like chapter one is like on data viz, right? It doesn't start right. with data cleaning, doesn't start with yep. regression analysis. So like, what's your take on why that's, I don't want to say a better approach, but well, I guess maybe I'll ask, like, do you think that's a better approach? And if so, like, why do you think starting with the graphing is the, is a better approach? Yeah, totally. I, I, I'm 100% going to steal a concept that I 100% agree with from Minai Senkaya Rundle, who's an education uh, person here at our studio. She has a, an entire course set up basically called um, Have Your Cake and Eat It Too, along those lines, which is start with data viz. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that if you're teaching someone how to do something with R, you can talk to them about lists and vectors and objects and memory computation and someone's fallen asleep. Or you can start with, here's you in four lines of code creating a beautiful data visualization. Mm -hmm. Like that's the hook, like hook them in. Right. And then once they're, they're excited about that and they realize I can be very powerful very quickly, build up the knowledge around that. They still yeah. probably need to know about list and object types and vectors and characters. But starting from that from day one, 
you're going to lose a whole cohort of people if you're doing something, especially at like scale. Yeah. So we know that like the value or the popularity of DataViz has grown uh, yep. over the last few years. So do you think, I remember learning in my younger days, learning SAS and Stata and Fortran, which mm -hmm. you can't graph, but okay, but like learning SAS and Stata and you didn't start with the graphs. Um, right. Do you feel like, you know, the change in the tools of starting with DataViz is like part of the growing popularity of DataViz or has the, this sort of perception, like let's start just the way you said it, like let's start with something where I can get like something visible right away has changed the way people view DataViz and that like, where's the direction running or is it just like a huge network mess that we don't know? I'm going to punt and say it's a huge network mess, but I'll still give an yeah. answer in terms okay, of like, yeah, I yeah. think everything <laughs> interacts, but yeah. if you think about it, like, you know, a lot of the older books from uh, like the kind of Bibles of data viz are about here's how to not do things the way that the defaults tell you to do it. Cause right. they're telling you to do 3d scatter plots or 3d bar charts and the defaults are terrible. Nowadays, like if you think of ggplot or even Excel and other things like the, the defaults are actually pretty good in terms of like, they start from a baseline of like, the defaults are okay. You're not yeah. breaking massive rules just by not editing it further. Um, and other tooling is created that have just been more user-friendly in terms of like, you didn't have to um, learn 99% of how to do data viz before you could make a good thing. You can even from day one, get started, make, some, make something beautiful, make something interesting. Right. Um, so in my opinion, maybe not necessarily that people are teaching DataViz first, but it has become more approachable with better tooling, mm -hmm. better defaults, and just more people thinking about it from kind of a top-down approach. Yeah. Um, I want to ask one more question on this on this learning before we yeah. go to tables. So what would your advice be to someone who wants to learn R, but they see yep. your work and they see lots of other people doing great work? I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head, but like they're seeing all this great stuff built in R, whatever tool that they want to learn. Yep. And they're a little overwhelmed by saying, well, I'm never going to be able to like make that thing. Um, you know, so like, what do you say to those people who might feel a little like overwhelmed before going into right. learning a tool? Yeah. So, so part of uh, all of data viz and why I think maybe this is even to the previous question, why it has been so successful is the community building around it, regardless of what tool you're using there is a community that's very excited about helping people get into it. Uh, obviously, the R community is the one I'm most deeply embedded in. I love it, but every tool has an ecosystem around it. Um, in terms of people that get intimidated seeing you know, good work, I, I hear you in terms of like, I was there a few years back. I was like, man, I, I can't make this. I feel like yeah. I'm just spinning my wheels. Um, part of what I've actually talked to actual people doing Tidy Tuesday about is they're actually just doing it locally. They're not even submitting submitting mm -hmm. their graphs on Twitter. So yeah. they're still able to borrow from the community. They're still able to like, oh, maybe if I can join and talk to this person, I can learn something, but they don't have to take that next step of someone else can see my work. Right. That's often stressful for people. I think there's huge value in sharing your work because then you can get useful feedback, but it takes time for you to build up confidence to get there and that's okay. Um, yeah. So I guess my, my suggestion to new learners is if you want to engage with something, try and find a community. For R, there's like the R4DS online learning community. Um, there's things like the R stats hashtag on Twitter. 
And even within your local community, whether it's a job or a university setting or something like that, I guarantee you there's someone using R or another tool that you're trying to learn. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great piece of advice. I mean, find those people that are like right next door to you. Well, not anymore, but you know, virtually yeah. right next door to you. Um, okay, so I want to turn our attention to tables because um, yeah. I'm so excited about the GT package. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Same. just just the like concept of of so okay. So I want to. This is what I want to ask. So I want you to to describe GT for folks, and yeah. then if you could. Tell me about the philosophy behind it, because people have yeah. asked me to do something similar in Excel, like, oh, come up with templates. And my answer has always right. been, it's just like impossible because there's merged cells in different places and tables can have an infinite sort of dimensions and directions. And so I'm, I'm right. fascinated by how you approach that from a, a sort of templating code base. Totally. Yeah, so, so GT is uh, an R package standing for the grammar of tables. Um, the grammar idea is borrowing from the idea of a grammar of graphics um, or ggplot being an implementation of a grammar of graphics. So GT is an implementation and a defining of a grammar of tables. So what that means is that you can still build the exact same tables you're used to, but you now have specific functions and specific language to apply changes to all the different areas of the table. Um, this is not necessarily a, a new concept. I've seen older versions of defining the parts of a table. Uh, I know you've even done work about like, here's the parts of a table. Uh, Stephen Few, uh, back in the, you know, trying to remember his book name, Show Me the Numbers, Show the numbers? has yeah. a definition of the parts of a GT table, or not GT, part of a table. But I think what this is, is actually an implementation of using those nouns and verbs to actually create the table as opposed yeah. to just describing it. Um, that was pretty long-winded, but what this does is gives you an interface or a, a human interface to be able to create said table programmatically. So mm -hmm. you can define all the different components. You can use data to change all those different things based on the actual values, which is very, very powerful. Yeah. So. And does it work? I mean, I'll ask the, I mean, I've, I've tinkered with it. So I'll ask the questions I'm sure other people are, are yeah. thinking about right now, listening to this. They're like, okay, so it, does it work similarly to ggplot in terms of aesthetics and in terms of all the pieces that you sort of, so one of the reasons I like R sort of, I feel like it's plug and play. Like you sort of like have right. the fill command, the color command, like, is it, is it work the philosophy in the same way? Yeah. So I, I will say that, at a very uh, detailed level, we'll, we'll go way back, then come forward. Yeah. ggplot basically creates a massive list of different things that are being changed. Um, and so you might think of like, you're saying aesthetics, like the x-axis is equal to this, and it's these values. GT works in a very similar way, where it says the cell bodies or the table body, the actual values, uh, here are their different labels in a list, here are the actual values in a list, here is the formatting in a list applied to those values. So if you look at it, it's, it's literally just list on list on list. That's yeah. really hard to write though. So what it provides is like you were saying, instead of aesthetics, you have things like um, cells body, which would be like, rather than mapping the aesthetic of axis, X equals some variable, map the table body to these cells. So it's going to build the table up, but then you can actually apply your aesthetics or whatever 
according to the different components. So cell body, column spanners, column labels, the title, subtitle, the stub head, you can define all those different parts, either programmatically or manually. I see. So if you have, let's just say, um, you're going to have data by state, let's just yep. say, um, let's say percent of the population of men, percent of the population of women in each of those yeah. states you've got. Yeah. And then if you wanted to have a spanner across that, that said gender or something like that, yep. you would define that through the spanner column component. Exactly. You would gotcha. say basically the function would be something along the lines of um, spanner column label. And you would say, I want to apply it on column of gender and mm -hmm. or male and female in this case, or however you wanted to put it, um, or non-binary. Non right. And then that would create the column label as a spanner or column spanner across those two labels. Right, 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 right. So now when you think about people using GT in their work, how are you thinking about them bringing in the data into R? Are you thinking about like, yeah. oh, I have this table in Excel and it's sort of all formatted, but I want to bring yeah. it into R because you know, that's my preferred toolkit or it's easier to update or now right. that, it, you know, once I have it in R, then I can build all these other graphs out of it. And so in that case, when you have these spanner columns or you have these grouped rows or whatever, like, how do you think about working from one input into GT? Yeah. So, so GT accepts uh, basically a data frame, which in R is essentially a tabular data format. So GT doesn't care how that data gets in. It could be pulled from a web API. It could be scraped from HTML. It could be brought in from Excel. It could be brought in from SQL in a database. Yeah. All it has to be is in a tabular format in terms of in a data frame or a tibble in R. Um, then it can just be passed into GT and it knows what to do with it. Um, once the tabular format is inside GT, then you've created a GT object. So you can make edits to it. And when it prints, it actually prints the table. It doesn't print the data. It right. prints the formatted table every time. Right. Okay. So where do you see GT going? So like, you know, as with ggplot, there's always, and yeah. I mean, all packages, there's always these updates. So like, where, where do you see GT going over the next whatever, year, two, 10, 12. Totally. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the two good things here are um, right now we have essentially a pure grammar of tables implementation. And I say yeah. we, I am not a developer of GT, so I'm going to give credit to Rich Iannone, Joe Chang, Barrett Schlork, who are the actual developers creating it. Um, I, I post issues and things to the, to the repository, but credit to them for, for maintaining and authoring the package. So what they're doing is creating this rich API and people can build on top of that. Mm. Um, so if you think of something like the GT summary package, that takes a statistical model or uh, counts and things using the GT uh, interface, but creates a different table. So right. it's a wrapper on top of it. And that's what ggplot does is ggplot provides you a rich interface. You can build beautiful things with just ggplot, but there's dozens of packages built on top of ggplot to do more because mm -hmm. there is an API you can use to do that. Right. Um, the one thing that I am an author of is I, I just built out the GT extras package over this long weekend. What that is, is essentially removing some of the boilerplate and summarizing down some of those functions. So you think of like, I want to add a bar plot to all of these cells that is relative to 
to sell values. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do that with nine lines of code in GT, which is appropriate. You're saying, I want to apply it to this column for all these cells, and here's the actual function to create the uh, the bar plot. Yeah. Or in a higher level package like GT Extras, you can say, apply bar plot. And it just does all yes, that boilerplate it. for you. You just say like, here's the column I want to apply it to. And it passes a palette. It passes all the code to build the table. It passes all the code to build out the bar plot as well. Gotcha. So just so we're all on the same page, <laughs> on your long weekend where our studio gave you extra time off, you built the GT extras. So I think that's dedication to a craft that I that I can very much appreciate. I don't know where I got like the pandemic for me, my self-care for some reason has been, let's dive as deep as possible into the grammar tables. So for literally since about April of 2020 to now, yeah. I've just been slamming mental energy into tables because can't go to restaurants, can't go right. to bars, can't right. go to sports games. Yep. Uh, so I, I do a lot of that on random days and it's been working. I, I'm yeah. happy doing it. So it is a, a good form of self-care. Yes, yeah, that's great. Um, I want to ask you two more questions about GT. So yes. um, is it possible now or do you foresee it becoming possible to add visualizations into the tables? And like specifically, I'm thinking about spark lines, which I know you can do in ggplot. Like, do you see that as part of GT? And also like Excel has the little data bars that you can build right into tables. So like, do you see that as as part of it? Oh man, this is like the softball right over home plate for me. So <laughs> GT Extras has uh, oh, four plotting functions. It has a plotting function for horizontal bar plots. It has a plotting function for percent of total. So like three, uh, like zero to 100. And there's like three bars within there making up the portions. Yep. It has spark lines. And for your little stacked points, there's a win loss plot, which nice. is styled after... The Guardian, they do like a vertical pillar that's green for a win in a sports yep. game and a vertical pillar that's red and slightly subset as a loss. And a tie yep. would be a gray dot in the middle. So all of those are built into GT Extras. Now, that being said, you can still do all that with GT because that's what I'm doing is just mm-hmm. writing code on top of GT. So GT for any row can accept a GG plot or any image. So if you can create an image, you can post it it in line. And so that could be SVG or PNG, whatever you want to create. But GT alone, oh, absolutely. It can build anything into there. That's awesome. And just so people yeah. know, like we didn't set that up beforehand. That was that softball was not pre predestined. Um, I want to ask one last question for you. Um, yes. uh, so like tables seem to get, not seem, they do get less attention in the data viz field um yep. and you mentioned uh steven few's book has a yep. really long chapter on tables i have a chapter on tables in my book a good chapter oh thanks thanks um so like like is it just because tables aren't as sexy as like a dot plot or like we use so many tables all the time like we use yeah. tables before we even get to the graphs a lot of the time absolutely i i think that my, my hot take is that people are actually creating tables with a lot of the data viz they use. If you think of yeah. like a horizontal bar plot, that is just a table that happens to have a, a, a horizontal plot inside of it. Yeah. And you can do the similar things where a table can have six values and plots a seventh. And that's very, very valuable for here is the you know data visualization showing the trend or the overall shape of the data. 
but here are the raw values showing lookup values that you can also associate. Right. It's really, really hard with a actual graphic to encode five or six different things. You start doing color, shape, opacity, you know, how dark the color is, how light the color is. You can get in these spots where it's really hard to interpret. That's really easy for a table to do. You just yeah. put the numbers in there. Number there, yeah. But, you know, I know we're at time here, but the, the idea is that with a table, people haven't spent as much mental energy into making good ones. So right. all people see are like, oh God, I don't want to show that. That's a, that's a terrible table. Yeah. If you apply similar techniques, like a better data to ink ratio, if you use things like your book in terms of 10 table rules or you know rules from Stephen Few's book, you can actually like make beautiful tables and get tables that people want to see. Yeah, oh, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about it and see how people use it. And I, I'm excited for, uh, I don't think I've seen it yet, but I'm excited for like the first Tidy Tuesday that's like, this is going to be, we're going to do a table one for Tidy Tuesday this week and just see like how many people get mad that they have to make a table instead of, you know, a fun graph or something. So we've done a, we haven't done a core table one, but there's been yeah. a lot of beautiful tables through Tidy Tuesday. So I always appreciate seeing them pop up. <laughs> That's great. Well, Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show. Congrats on the promotion and congrats on the GT package. It's, it's really great. I'm excited about it. So, so thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, John. Have a great week. And thanks for everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you learned a lot about our studio and about Tom's work. And I hope you'll go check out the GT package in R. It's a great addition to your R toolkit to make better and more effective tables. So enjoy your holiday season, another episode or two coming up before the end of the calendar year. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsky Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.